life is trying to expose something to me. If I have an issue with a partner and certain emotions or triggers are coming up, life is just presenting me with that challenge to expose part of me that I wouldn't otherwise be able to optimize. Do aliens exist or do they not exist? It doesn't really matter whether they do or not. Is it more fun to think they exist or is it more fun to think they don't exist? I have seen a wave that comes and goes. The wave of the psychedelics when it was in the 70s and then it slowed down a little bit and nothing happened. And then now we're coming back to that where people are like, oh, let's explore, let's do Burning Man and let's do yeah. Coachella and all of those celebrations of life. And I love that business people are opening their minds to that. Welcome to the Holistic Being Podcast, a place where we unravel the intricate tapestry that binds us together. Join us as we embark on a transformative journey of self-discovery and collective growth. This is the podcast where connection, empowerment, and the boundless human spirit converge. I'm really excited to talk to you because the trajectory that you have has really inspired me and I feel so much appreciation and admiration for you and what you've gone through. So what I'd like to start with is how are you doing right now? How are you? What's going on in your life? What's happening? Life is good. I'm living in a house with a bunch of entrepreneurs. Community is a big thing for me and post college. Yeah, I played basketball in college and you just have this big community around you all the time. And then you go off into the world and you have your group of friends and they all settled down, got married, had kids. And so that kind of friend group was in a different place than me. So it was embarking on the whole entrepreneurial journey was lonely for a long time and trying to find a group to be a part of. And I feel like it took some time to find, but now I'm just in heaven living in a house thriving house with a bunch of good people that I really enjoy and a big community around us. Yeah, it's awesome because you were looking for it and when you couldn't find it, you created it, which is like so powerful. You're like, I want this and I'm going to make it happen no matter what. <laughs> yeah, it definitely all just came together and yeah, life powerful like that for sure. Nice, nice. And when you say entrepreneurship, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what are some of the things you're working on or sure. a little bit about you? Yeah, so I have two main roles right now. I'm the CEO of Bullybone Pet Products, which makes chew toys for dogs. So I'm sure we'll get into that story, how I got into the pet industry, getting to play with dogs all day long and make toys and solve some problems in the pet industry is really re rewarding. And then the other role I have is chief strategy officer and co-founder of an esports company called Generation Esports. And that is, we're using video games and gaming as a kind of avenue to engage with students and really teach them better habits, teach them things that I learned in sports, teamwork, camaraderie, winning, losing with grace. And some of those things don't necessarily exist in video games, but through kind of the medium we're doing and the classes that we're teaching in the various schools, it, it turns that into a phrase you and I say all the time, you got to meet people where they're at. And that's where the kids are at. Instead of fighting 
you know, against, oh, video games are bad or this or that. That's where they are. So why not meet them there? Yeah. It seems like you're really enjoying your life right now. And the podcast is about a holistic being. So how we integrate our spirituality, business, our body, self-care, relationships, and all of that. And I'd like to hear from you a little bit about how you integrate all of those aspects of yeah. you in creating this. Yeah, I think that's really important. The tendency with entrepreneurs and even being in this environment I'm in is that you put so much weight on your identity as an entrepreneur. And if your business is going well, then you're having a good day. Business isn't going well, then you're having a bad day. But there's just so much more to life. There's so much more to just stepping outside of that, all the little things that we tie to success. Business is just one aspect of life and it shouldn't be all consuming. And that's been a big challenge because so many people depend on you. There's a lot of people who work for the company, a lot of people, investors who all are counting on you. So there, there is a lot of pressure and it needs to be a big deal. But you also need to realize that life is a game and we're here to play it. And that's just one aspect of it. There's still going out and hanging out in nature and hanging out with your friends with being able to be present. Because if that stuff's just always in your mind, you're really never present with people. And then you're not really connecting with people. And then you're just going through life in this weird, hazy fog and putting all of your happiness on the shoulders of success. And business is like a roller coaster. Like it's, you might have some big pops of success, but you're going to have a lot of stress. And if you let that kind of be your guiding light, you'll be in trouble. Mm -hmm. I love the model that you've created for this entrepreneur house, the e-house, how you guys call it, because <laughs> it's both work and play, but not only is work and play, but it's also a lot of personal growth. And that's what I see in all of you. You're constantly growing, constantly evolving, exploring your mind, exploring the possibilities. And I think that is a great formula for a great recipe for success, if I say. Agreed. It's when I first got here, it's been like five years now. It was very much focused on you got to grind, you got to this, you got to that. Let's sit down on the whiteboard. Let's 24 seven just working. And it is interesting, the evolution today, because it's more about we are entrepreneurs and managing life as an entrepreneur and making sure we're growing in all areas, but not defining ourselves as a business owner or an entrepreneur, not letting, you know, press get to your head, not letting those kind of, and if you have big wins and you, it's important to celebrate them, but if you let them boost your ego, like that's just a recipe for failure on the other side as well. Because those are hard to maintain. And this house has really turned into something where it's it's just a work-life balance. And business is one part of it. And we're all in the same boat. And we've all developed this mentality of like, how do we, how do we live our best life? What's our dream life? That's a big saying around here. Dream life. Everything's about dream life. <laughs> I love that. And I know that you've done like, organized a lot of retreats and events and things to explore the limits of the mind and the capabilities of the body and everything. And I'm curious though, two things like, why is there an alien on your shirt and an alien <laughs> behind you? So what is that about? <laughs> it, and it's the easiest explanation is 
everything in this world is so polarized. Like you say, it's getting hot out there. Oh, global warming, you need to do something. Or, oh, it's a big scam. Like you almost can't say anything without it triggering somebody's like polarized views. And even innocent stuff, it's pretty crazy. Aliens, do you believe in aliens or not? Nobody cares. It's not like a Republican or Democrat. It's not like a pro this, a pro that. It's a very tame thing that's fun to talk about. And it also represents, so it's this thing that's non-polarized. Like you bring that up in a conversation, people kind of giggle, but nobody's like digging their heels in and taking a stance like, oh, you're crazy, this, that, or whatever it is. The other side to that, it represents to me something pretty powerful, which is do aliens exist or do they not exist? It doesn't really matter whether they do or not. Is it more fun to think they exist or is it more fun to think they don't exist? Well, it's more fun to think they exist. And then that gives you a little bit of energy and a charge. So why can't every topic just be like, how do I use this topic to benefit myself? Like, doesn't really matter if they exist or not. It's just fun to believe they do, which gives me a good feeling, which then boosts me up. Therefore, it's a non-polarized topic that makes me feel really good. Totally, totally. <laughs> and I love the way that you're putting that, which is, how is this topic making me feel? So mm -hmm. you are going with the flow, and I've seen you be in the flow. The flow, the way that I define it is just when you allow things to happen on their own without forcing it, just being a part of life and letting life flow show you the way. And I want to talk a little bit about that because you do embrace that a lot. And I heard you talk and evolve in, in ways that are just talking about the ego and talking about allowing things and not letting the ego take control. So I love to hear your thoughts on all of that. Sure. Yeah, and it's yeah. flow is where all the magic happens. The, the tricky part is some people will think something good happened to them, but they're categorizing it as good because it felt good to their mind or to their ego. And getting beyond that and really having a radar for what is good beyond, that's where the magic happens. And a lot of people are like, this good, like I was piling up, good, but it was all in service of the ego. And that's not going to get you to where you want to go. That's going to get you to a big lesson eventually, because that's the way life works. It, it's just tapping into, I mean, we as humans have this tool called the mind. And over the years, it's been very useful for us. So the body has channeled a lot of nutrients and growth. And like this thing that's a mind, that's a tool has been growing a lot because it's useful. But it got to the point where it's like now overtaking the host or we can't differentiate ourselves, who we really are and the mind. And that's like where the, that little nuance is hard to figure out because you can't figure it out with your mind. Your mind is the thing that's got control of you. So it, for me, all of that intelligence exists in like, the body and in turning your mind off, getting in touch with all five senses, like feeling every cell of your body so much so that your mind doesn't actually have any room to operate. Like you get so present in your sight, your smell, your touch, your taste, your hearing, and you channel all of your possible attention to those things. There's no room for the mind to operate. And then you get a glimpse of an intelligence that's, it, it just, 
it exists everywhere and it's the mind's intelligence although it's been very useful to us is still very limited i love that love love that i just i really Good. I feel uh, like i'm rambling i hope no, all that no. stuff makes sense no that was just so perfect i'm just like soaking it all in and mm -hmm. i'm curious and i'm sure the audience is going to be curious as well were you always have you always thought this way this something that I have not always thought this way. I've always been a pretty happy, community-focused person, grew up in a big, loving family, and we had our challenges when we were younger that helped all of us kids bond together, and that's just, I wouldn't trade any of that for the world. But in my early years, I was very focused on, yeah, this is what society has programmed into you, and you don't even, you don't even know. You just think that's the way it is. You got to make money. You got to go to work. You got to do all these things. This is what society tells you to do, and I think it was must have been when I was around probably 10 to 15 years ago, some amount of time ago around there, I was doing commercial real estate. I was sitting at a desk doing cold calling every day. I was putting together syndications and I was doing the thing that was making me a lot of money. Was my heart in it? No. What did I really like? The environment? Not really. Super ego-based, super minds bigger than yours kind of atmosphere. That that's never resonated with me like that part of it. So I did start to see the the problem with when you're super focused on money that it just gets to an extreme and that extreme just gets worse and worse with kind of the excesses of the ego. I wasn't strong enough and I wasn't, I it needed some big event to happen in my life to bring me perspective and shake me loose and allow me the clarity to see past that and really the confidence and the just the power to do something different as i was this was 10 15 years ago i was walking my dog and the car came through the intersection i jumped to the front of the car and kicked my dog out of the way i got hit and nearly died got torn acl mcl concussion internal bleeding the whole nine yards and i was scared but i wasn't freaked out until at the hospital they, the doctors are running around like code red and they're like freaking out. They're taking me, like wheeling me back. I didn't even call my parents or anything because I was like, I'm fine. It didn't hurt me that bad. So now I'm sitting in the hospital watching these doctors like freak out and I'm thinking like, did it? Oh, whoops. Okay. I'm just thinking, am I about to die? If doctors are this freaked out, am I going to die? And that just sent me on a spiral. If I die right now, all, I was just cold calling and doing all this different stuff that was not exciting to me. Felt like I just was like, man, I did not maximize my life. I did not do any of the things. And what's the point of making money if you're just going to die? And that doesn't help you out. So that process, and it was a hit and run, and I didn't have insurance, so I couldn't get my stuff fixed. It sent me down a very dark hole. They talk about the the night of the dark soul or dark night of the soul. That for me lasted for a year and a half, two years. Just I was engaged and then that broke off. Everything was just falling apart around me. But it also woke me up in that, man, I really like playing with dogs. I really want to, if I die tomorrow, I would be happy if I was just playing with dogs all day. And that doesn't sound like a business. I don't know how to turn that into a business, but I was just so certain that like life is short and money 
although everyone seems to think it's the most important thing, it's really not if you put it in context. What's important is like living life to the fullest, doing stuff you like, filling yourself up and treating every day like it's your last. So I'm not sure I could say I like just had that I did anything. I didn't really do anything. Life just kind of was like, <laughs> yeah, just did it for me. And looking back, I realized there was many steps along the way where I could have changed that or little signs or pointers that were like showing me this is not making me happy. This is not your life. And it would have been nice to be in a place where I could have reacted to those signs and to those messages back then, but really just took a cataclysmic event to, to shake me loose. You can't not listen at that point. Like, what, what else do you want? How else do you want me to deliver this message to you? Exactly. I almost killed you. Are you not going to listen? Or yeah. What? Can't get much closer than that. What do you want me to do next time? Exactly. That's really awesome. I love hearing that story. And I know that your growth has been just one step at a time, but it has been so inward. Your expansion, your internal expansion is shown also by the external expansion. And you never really moved away from what you truly believe. You believe in, in joy and you believe in community. And I think that those are the pillars that have driven you continue to drive you and when you are in tune with that it seems like everything just happens for you and it just flows easily and effortlessly and it's really exciting to do that yeah it definitely does and it's important to note though that like it does flow and there's still things that we would categorize as challenges or as things that create negative outcomes but we just don't have a long enough time after the accident where everyone told me oh that's so bad that's oh my god you should sue her you're such a victim but looking back on it it was the best thing that ever happened so i think as humans we if we look at anything on a long enough timeline we have no idea whether it's good or bad so keeping that perspective when some challenge comes up or something that feels crippling or whatever it's still beautiful it's still part of life and you can't really say whether it was good or bad in the moment. And that's also kind of part of the flow of life, seeing that stuff all like corresponds to itself. It corresponds to the growth. It's ups and downs. It's like the reason we consider it a down or an up is because of the things that we are assigning to an event that happened, which in and of, in and of itself is a neutral event. So just want to make that clear with the flow of things. I am in the flow and I'm loving it. But it's to outsiders, everything may not appear. It's not like I'm just making millions of dollars floating on clouds and nothing's happening. That would be boring. Uh, I'm still like in the flow, but I'm like trusting in life that everything is happening exactly the way it needs to. And it's getting me where I need to go. Yeah. And so how have you dealt when things were not flowing with you when you were in the flow, but it seems like people or surroundings or situations were not flowing with you. How did you deal with that? So to me, that means it's like my internal compass. That is happening. Then there's something, some blockage with me. There's some issue. There's some, Life is trying to expose something to me. If I have an issue with a partner and certain emotions or triggers are coming up, Life is just presenting me with that challenge to expose part of me that 
I wouldn't otherwise be able to optimize. And then as long as you don't fall for the trap, getting sucked into it and feeling sorry for yourself and doing all these things, and you actually see it for, okay, a reaction came up. It was an emotion. Why did that emotion came come up? Oh, because I'm like thinking this is going to hurt the business. So therefore, like this person is coming after, but it, it's, you basically use that as a way to find little growth opportunities. In essence, they're not even challenges. They're just like, you, if you want to be a CEO of a $200 million company, you got to get to a level where you're able to run a $200 million company. So life is just conditioning you for that and preparing you. And you got to clear up a bunch of stuff along the way to be able to receive what you actually want. What are some things that you, in your journey, you have seen that have blocked you? What are some of the beliefs that you've had or things that you said, well, I remember thinking this way or I remember approaching it this way and you overcame all of that and how? That's a good question. Yeah, I think biggest one is in especially in entrepreneurship which still dominates whether i like to admit it or not and no matter how hard i work on it it's still part of my identity and it still controls a large portion of my happiness or my sadness and that's all related to when you step back to it i wanted it to grow to here but it hasn't grown to there yet and do all these people think, do my investors, are, do they think I'm a fraud? Do they think I'm, or imposter syndrome comes up. All the friends, like, do they think I'm really not good? Do they think they could, you, you just, when you put expectations on something, and sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it, but you just let your mind water, wander and you put expectations on something. It It's just like, that can turn into when anything doesn't work towards that expectation, it ends up causing some sort of suffering in you. And that's always been, that's the biggest challenge in entrepreneurship is not putting expectations on stuff. And then when you don't put expectations on stuff, how do you stay motivated to keep growing and keep pushing goals? And then how do you not set goals that create expectations, but you're still motivated to make it grow? You're just like dancing this line between the mind and the flow state and it it's real tricky yeah but i love what you're saying you are you're saying i'm going to surrender i'm going to set goals but i'm going to surrender the way that i should go i'm going to flow with it and at the same time i'm going to try to adjust my perspective so i don't see it as the world is against me or out to get me but i am going to see it as maybe i'm not looking at the whole perspective of it or the whole view of it and I am going to choose what to feel or I'm going to choose the thought that makes me feel better and so in in every single angle that you look at it you are constantly paying attention to how your mind is operating how you're looking at things I see you watching your mind you are the observer of your mind as Eckhart Tolle said. I don't know if you want to say more about that. but I mean, that has been the biggest source of growth the entire time. The first, I remember the first time I was exposed to Eckhart was 
in the depths of all the suffering after the accident. And I just didn't know what to do. I was just going through that dark night. And uh, I got in a car with a buddy who was driving to get coffee and he was just playing Eckhart Tolle in there. He forgot that he had it on. I was like, wait, no, leave it. This is pretty soothing. And then from that point on, I was like, what is that book? And I think to this day, I've read The Power of Now 35 times, A New Earth, 36, 37. Stillness Speaks, I'm only in the 20s on that one. And then all of his retreats, I've gone through those probably four or five times on all of them. And it's just, it's crazy. Every time you read it, something else kind of new resonates with you that you heard before, but it resonates now. But it, it is all about being the observer of the mind. The mind should be a tool that you use. It shouldn't be something that's constantly using you, something that's constantly playing a broken record in your mind. People finally realize how much their mind actually never stops from when they wake up to go to sleep. There's like thoughts going on in their head. It's almost like everybody's schizophrenic and they just aren't saying it out loud. They just have this. And some of the thoughts are just so repetitive. Like in an hour, you might say the same thought in your head a thousand times and you're just so used to it. You don't even realize like, when you finally realize it, you're like, what in the heck? <clears throat> and when you finally quiet it, man, you get so much more brain power and you're just like, you can actually use it as a tool versus something that's been wearing you out and using all your processing. It's actually now this tool. And then you can use that tool and you can channel in kind of other stuff through just through your body or through whatever you want to call it, infinite intelligence, plugging into the stuff that you can't really plug into when your mind is just firing off all the time. And how did you start discovering this? Because when you were working, doing your business, then you had the accident, then you started getting introduced to the books. How, what was it that helped you expand your mind and start thinking this way? What were some of the things, some of the tools that you used? Yeah. So this is interesting because I talk about this with the roommates all the time. I want to say it was like 15 years ago. None of this stuff that exists now exists. The only thing that was out was Eckhart Tolle. Like there, there wasn't YouTube videos of Abraham Hicks. There wasn't like people were not talking about this stuff, but reading it was the power of now. And it's in like the question and answer format. And I just happened to sit in his car when it was the exact question. And they like, answered a very specific question that just resonated. And I was like, what in the world is this? I just picked it up and read it. I would actually on audible, just walk around the block listening to them like constantly. And then I was looking for new material and it didn't exist. It just, there was nothing out there. And it's, so I just kept reading the books over and over again. And I was looking for more stuff and I would talk to people about the book and no one knew about it. And I was like, is this just like a crazy cult thing? But it feels so right. It like feels right inside. But it, and we were talking about this at the last retreat. The really interesting thing now is, it, I don't know if it's a wave. I don't know if it's like a trend or consciousness waking up. But nowadays there's resources everywhere. There's podcasts about this stuff. There's a million different books about this. There's courses. There's like, everybody's talking about it, which is really cool to see that like, it wasn't that long ago when none of these resources existed. And now all of a sudden, that's all anyone talks about. And it keeps gaining momentum and gaining traction. And it's now it's just choose your weapon. People, the thing about Eckhart Tolle is it's really dense and it's really hard to absorb. 
I had to read it so many different times to pick up stuff. And that's a really tough entry point for most people. But now there's all sorts. There's the Wayne Dyers. There's the, there's all these different, there's the, who's the science guy who talks about the heart center. And I went down his rabbit hole for a little while. Gabriel Mate. And then, yeah, so many people that are exploring. Yeah. So there's all these little entry points for people that are softer and easier to understand than Eckert, who just goes straight to it. And it's super dense. And you're just like, what did I listen to? That's what I was thinking of Joe Dispenza. There's just so many entry points. And then there's like even mid-level people like, okay, you got through the entry points. Now get a little riskier. Go to the Abraham Hicks levels. Go to the, go to that levels. And then you can graduate your way up to Eckert. Really cool to, to watch the like tidal wave of people waking up and how it's taking hold. And it, some people get annoyed by all the like the different, I feel like a million people have different courses online. And I'm like, it's great. Like people are waking up. Like the more the merrier. Like we need to, it, it needs to spread. It, it needs yeah. to, yeah. It's it, so the resources I used were pretty much Eckhart Tolle, but nothing like that existed back then. But now, awesome to see like all you have to do is get into google and you'll find a million different like entry points to start yeah it's incredible because now people are doing ayahuasca ceremonies and psilocybin and expanding their minds and trying different things and there's shamans involved and honestly so this is from my perspective and i'm a lot younger a lot older than you but i grew up in the deepa chopra and believes and the because I study psychology, I am familiar with Gaber Mate from a long time ago, and I because I've been in the spiritual realm for a long time. I've been familiar with so many like Wayne Dyer and all of those people that have developed a lot of the belief systems, and that is the realm that I've been always been around. I have seen a wave that comes and goes, the wave of the psychedelics when it was in the seventies, which. I didn't experience that, but like, I know that was happening 60s, 70s, and then it slowed down a little bit and nothing happened. And then now we're coming back to that where people are like, oh, let's explore, let's do Burning Man and let's do Coachella and all of those celebrations of life. But I think we are seeing it so differently than back then because information is now more easily accessible. People can educate themselves more and follow people who have gone through the journeys and I think we're doing it in a smarter way and a lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with are wanting to expand their mind and they are trying ketamine and journeys and things like that because it does allow a different perspective and I love that business people are opening their minds to that because it's not just that they're opening their mind, they're opening their hearts as well. And that's beautiful to watch, to see people connecting with their hearts, with their body, because of experiences like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I've seen some really powerful transformations with those different medicines, because especially entrepreneurs are so smart and so used to figuring stuff out. If you try to explain this stuff to them, they're going to use their mind to try and figure it out, which already you're not going to figure it out. It's not something you figure out. It's something you experience, feel, and turn your mind off and figure it out that way. But those medicines like just shut your brain down and like you're immediately plugged into 
what whatever that universal flow is and there's you can fight it you're gonna have a bad time but you'll eventually surrender and when you do surrender you're like why has no one ever told me about this and i'll be over there i've been trying to tell you guys for i don't know for a decade uh, it's it is powerful that's another one of those like i was saying there's different levels but there's different methods too of getting into this that definitely didn't wasn't as prevalent or really exist 15 years ago when this all kind of started. It was, and like you said, in the 70s, it popped up, but I think governments controlled the information at that time and suppressed it down and there wasn't free-flowing information. So everyone just ate the narrative they were fed. And now you like, you try to suppress it. You can't suppress it. Like it's, there's too much access to information and too many people that the wave is like unstoppable. Exactly, exactly. And so many people are now into meditation and yoga and alternative healings and things like that. I've seen open up. I was, I don't know, 15, 20, and I was learning about chakra clearing and all of that. And I came to the United States and it's like nothing, crickets, nothing yeah, like that. Yeah. And it's get out of here with yeah. that hippie crap. Yeah. I know. <laughs> no, what the heck is yeah. that? Uh, and now I'm seeing it. I'm, only 50, but like I'm seeing now that people are going to yoga and doing Reiki and Tai Chi and Qigong and all of the magical alternatives, ways of tapping into that energy flow, acupuncture, even the insurance companies are enrolling people in chiropractic work and acupuncture. So as a society, I think we are advancing and tapping into what else is out there because I believe there's so much that is still untapped. We have so much power and potential and what limits us is our mind and our context. And tapping into experiences like that allows us to see what's possible. And I love that you are in the entrepreneur world spreading this to, <laughs> to people. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's a fun little thing to be plugged into for sure. So, when people listen to your story and everything, I want people to know that you are just a normal person that have overcome a lot of things. And so I'd like to hear maybe some of the challenges that you've overcome, some of the belief systems that maybe you had to change in order to be where you're at now. I remember one of the big ones you and I worked on when I first came to you probably 10 years ago, maybe longer, I had that big money block that I didn't even realize I had. And we were talking and I think you just had me go on for two minutes about what I think about money or something and didn't really preface it. Just, okay, tell me like, what do you think about people who are wealthy? What do you, and the word, and you read back some of the words that I was saying and I was like, wow, I do not, I think money is dirty, like it corrupts people. It, all these kind of things that had been, I had absorbed back in the commercial real estate days where that was the way money was treated or affected people. That, and I didn't even, I, it was crazy that I didn't realize that. And I remember we worked on that. And then within, I think it was like a couple months, all of a sudden, a couple deals 
that I'd been working on. One was like five years. One was like eight years. They both closed within a week of each other. I think I got like $400,000, which I never made more than like 40 grand in a year. And I didn't think I'd ever make that. And all of a sudden, all this money just came in. I thought that was the craziest thing. I went over to Spence and I was like, dude, Spence, what is going on? Yeah, we were working the kiosk at that time. I was selling lighted collars and leashes. I was down to my last penny and we broke through that barrier and then just it was like flooded in. I mean, that that was an int- that wasn't a huge challenge, but that was an interesting one that like I didn't even know existed, which makes me think there's probably a bunch of that kind of stuff that people don't know exists. But the big challenge was probably after that accident, not having insurance, hit and run. Everybody's telling me, you got a sewer. Oh, you're such a victim. Oh, every single conversation. And it's just people who care about me and people who they're doing the best they can. And they really do see things that way. And it's not like people were like trying to negatively affect me, but I never met one person who was like, hey, how is this the best thing that ever happened to you? They're probably worried they get punched or something, saying like something like that. But everybody was feeding me this victim story and introducing me to attorneys and call the cops. So for that was what the real, like for a year or two, what kind of kept me down at the bottom of a deep hole was like, man, I am a victim, man, I am this or that. And just one day I was just super tired of it. And I was like, okay, I got to figure out a way to turn this into the best thing that ever happened to me. But I had to reach the bottom of that, which was painful and long and all that stuff to be like this to realize how bad that negative story was affecting me didn't matter if it was true or not everything's true from different perspectives but i needed to create a new perspective which was also true that you can turn this into the best thing that ever happened to you yes it's true you are victim you are this you are that whatever but i choose to believe this other story put all the energy in this other story And that was a pretty wild ride. And then telling people that I'm going to turn it into the best thing that ever happened to me. Everyone's just like, you finally lost it. What are you talking about? There's no possible way that that was a good thing that happened to you. And then just dealing with that for years and years. And nowadays people are like, wow, that was awesome. It's you're like swimming upstream for so long, trying to like hold on to that counter perspective. That was really a tricky time. How did you do that? How did you not listen to the naysayers and all the people that? I just, I did. I listened to them for a year and a half or something because it's all people that care about you. It's your friends. It's literally everybody because, and they're, again, they're not doing it to be bad. They're like trying to empathize with you and trying to like somehow make you feel better with that. But I just realized what a funk it, it was. I remember it was, I think a Chinese proverb, like, drinking poison and expecting to kill your enemy or something like that. There was a quote along those lines that just hit me. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm just dwelling on this story and dwelling on, oh man, I can't play basketball anymore. I can't this, I can't that. It was just dwelling on it. It was creating all this negative energy and just a negative flow. And it just dawned on me with that, whatever it is, proverb that, that mentality is just going to, it is, it's actually ruining my life. So how do I change that? And I didn't know how to change that, but 
It was basically, okay, everyone keeps saying this is the worst thing, so how do I turn it into the best thing? And that kind of led me to pursue the whole pet industry and playing with dogs and all that stuff and using that as a catalyst for growth. But it really just had to take me to a breaking point where I realized how much that was, for lack of a better term, like destroying life. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible because at that moment, you made a decision. Life slapped you in the face and knocked you down and you stayed down for a while because everybody was participating in that. But there was a moment in your life where you said, is this how I want to live? Yeah. And sure, we question ourselves a lot, but the difference is that you made a choice to go against everything and everyone, even yourself, the way, the things that you know, and you made a choice to do things differently and work towards that and continue evolving. And that's really powerful and empowering. That's really amazing. Very impressed with you. Mm -hmm. I have a question. What is one thing that you wish that you would have known before that or you would have had before that you have now or earlier? That's such a tricky question because part of me right out of the gate is if I changed any of the things, if I had my gut reaction is I wish I would have been exposed to all of this, what we're calling connection to source or the universe or spirituality. I hate putting labels on it, but the concept we're talking about, if I had just been exposed to that before the accident, maybe all that stuff wouldn't have happened, but that's, I, it was such an impactful thing that like I cherish it. And don't want to think like that because it was such a like catapult for me on the other end of kind of that challenge. And that's just my mentality. Like I, I wouldn't change a thing about anything because I truly believe everything that's happening to me is like moving me towards something. And we don't get to don't have enough perspective or intelligence enough because we're operating on our brains to know what's truly good or bad or what's truly getting us anywhere. So that's a tricky question for me because I don't think I, I think like everything is happening exactly what it needs to and exactly the way like that some version of me chose. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. So now that you are seeing and we're reviewing trajectory and you are understanding how things happen for you and where you're at now. What would be an advice for the listeners or something that you'd like the listeners to take away from our conversation today? I'd say that the most powerful thing that works for me right now is anytime an emotion comes up, it's, it, notice that there's a gap between the emotion and the label we assign to it. And it's a lot of times it's like half, like a millisecond. There's a gap there. And if you could take that emotion not assign a label to it and go into your body and just see that it's a reaction and try and trace that back and just stay completely in your body, try and box your mind out. You won't be so reactive. You won't be. I don't know how to describe it, but that's basically the concept. Like when an emotion arises, go into your body before your mind assigns a label to it and tries to cover up the emotion with, no, you felt anxiety because taxes. No, not taxes. Okay, because you didn't pay your bill. Okay, no, because you left your 
thing out of the fridge. That's got to be like, it just tries to slap all this stuff. And if you can see that, like the emotion arises and your brain's trying to attach something to it to cover that up. So you won't actually explore the emotion. You just will never learn from it. But if you can catch the emotion and go into your body and analyze it with a different form of intelligence, it's really powerful stuff. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to describe that, but it's, that's like the concept. Yeah. I love that. I'm snapping my fingers as a way of like, (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. Awesome. So where can people know more about you or hear contact you if possible? Yeah, I let's see. I'm on Instagram. I'm allergic to nuts. So my name is Trevor No Nuts on in- Instagram. I also like to have fun with stuff and not take myself too seriously. Don't use Facebook. Don't use Twitter. Not really on LinkedIn. I try to, I think social media is this addictive thing that like weasels its way into our brain and then we just play on it all the time. But I, yeah, through and through the house, we're always doing events, the entrepreneur house and different things like that. But I'd say probably Instagram, but it may, maybe a little bit of LinkedIn, but probably Instagram. Nice. And your business website? Bullybone. So bullybone.com is the most fun one. And then generationesports.com is the powerful. We're changing the world with the kids through esports. Those two, those two websites. Awesome. Awesome. This was a lot of fun and I'm so grateful that you were here. I appreciate you having me on. Great talking to you. Good luck with the podcast. I love what you're doing. This is going to be, it's going to be good uh, for sure. Thank you for joining us on this transformative journey through the Holistic Being podcast. We hope our discussions on the pursuit of holistic well-being have left you inspired and empowered. Remember to carry the lessons learned here into your own life fostering a harmonious balance of body, mind, and spirit. As we continue to rise together and unlock our boundless potential, let us spread love, compassion, wisdom, and light to all corners of the world. Thank you for being a part of this incredible community. Until next time, stay connected, keep growing, and always remember to spread the light and love.